who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today, from divorce to call-out culture to masculinity to girls' confidence. Season two of Thread the Needle finds the meeting place between feminist ideals and the realities of women's lives. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Elizabeth Cheney, host of the In Between podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Elizabeth Cheney underscore or at in.betweenpod. And I am here to play real or creepy. I'm Joshua Darren. I'm a content creator on the paranormal, a little bit of a researcher. You can find me at Joshua Darren on all social medias. I also create content for Alabama Vintage and BuzzFeed Unsolved. And you can catch me on here playing real or creepy. That's right, everyone. It's Noah Daniels, and we're for another episode of Real or Creepy. We've got two of our favorite people here again to play Real or Creepy. So let's jump right into our first story. It's called My Uncle's Ghost. Back in 1978, my grandfather's oldest brother died, Uncle Ollie. I knew him as a kind and gentle man who had his legs accidentally cut off during a train accident. Several members of my father's family were railroad workers. Every time my grandfather would take me over there, Uncle Ollie would give me a few brand new crisp $2 bills. I thought they were neat because of the red ink on them. Uncle Ollie would also encourage me to knock on his wooden leg. It must have been in the fall of 1978 when my uncle passed away. I remember the air being chilly when my grandfather would take me over. After he passed away, my grandfather would repeat the same routine once we got to the house. Get the newspaper off the lawn, then go inside to the house and get the keys to Uncle Ollie's car. Then go to the garage and crank up his car. Drive it to the top of the driveway. The last time my grandfather took me over to Uncle Ollie's house was the most bone-chilling and hair-raising event in my life so far. When my grandfather got to the part of cranking up Uncle Ollie's car, he drove the car to the top of the driveway. The driveway was sloped and hard to climb since the garage was in a valley beside the house. My grandfather got out of the running car to check the mailbox. I was standing beside the drive, which was in between the driveway and the house. All of a sudden, the car started rolling backwards with no one in it. I watched in horror as the car picked up speed rolling down the sloped driveway. The car rolled right back into the garage. To my surprise, there was no crash, 
bang or boom. The car had stopped all by itself and was still running. My grandfather ran down to see what had happened to the car while I turned around and looked at the top attic window and saw Uncle Ollie smiling, the creepiest smile I had ever seen, and he was waving at me. Until then, I had never seen Uncle Ollie smile and realized that had I seen him smile before he died, I would have asked to never go back over there. It's been 45 years since that happened, but I remember it like it was yesterday. All right, y'all. So that was a pretty interesting story. Had some nice twists and turns. It was definitely spooky. Liz, how do you feel about that one? Did it pull you in the direction of being real or do you think it was more of a creepy pasta? I think it was more of a creepy pasta. And I I mean, definitely creepy, had creepy vibes. Maybe that's I, I loved the smile line that was like kind of shivery. But the reason why I think it's creepy pasta is what the heck about the railroad stuff? Like that just seems so random. And then we're going, I don't know. That just why even share that detail? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, sure, him losing his legs, you can share that detail, but then going into all about the railroads and the family and then all of a sudden, I don't know. It was just kind of, maybe it is real or yeah, yeah, real versus creepypasta. But if so, the storytelling didn't sell me on it. Okay. And Joshua, how do you feel? Is, is, you know, it's, it's real interesting the way some people take these when the storytelling is great. They're like, it isn't real. And then when it's bad, <laughs> it's, it's really interesting to see how all of our minds process these hauntings tells when they're written down. How do, how do you feel about this one, Joshua? I feel very similar. Like the details didn't really, it seems like the, the added detail didn't really add anything. If anything, it kind of detracted away from the story almost. So I'll do this from time to time. Like being in marketing and I know Liz is probably familiar with this um, process as well but sometimes like people want you to write a blog post you have to you have to put in some filler it's not necessarily like necessary but it's not necessarily not necessary it's enough to fill some space on some on some on some white like put some black words on some white and that's what the like the first added details were like let's just like build the story into something that's like oh there's an accident maybe we can make a cross parallel and then going into the actual incident, uh, the incident itself. So I like to logic my way out of things and I can't really, and there is no real, I guess like a paranormal aspect to it as well, because a car going full speed, I don't know. It just felt like it's something that sounds really good, but I had a hard time believing it. And then just the, the irony of just the uncle just being up there, like waving and smiling in a creepy way, which is a classic horror trope. You can't get more classic than that. The only thing that makes me maybe change my mind is the fact that 45 years later, they still remember the story. And so that little tiny detail makes me kind of believe that there might be like some missing details in the story that have been lost over time, which sometimes happens with, you know, word of mouth storytelling. I'll go with creepy. I'll just go with my gut. I'll tell you what helped me overcome some of the detractions was when he said that he would knock on the uncle's leg. And maybe it's just because when I was a kid, I had a relative and they weren't a close relative. I would see them at family reunions when we still did things like that. And they had a fake thumb and they would always gather all the children around and then toss their, like snap off their fake thumb and throw it at the children. And that just horrified me. And so knocking on the wooden leg kind of reminded me of that. And I was like, oh yeah, I could see like an uncle 
being like, get over here and knock on my leg. You, you know, I don't <laughs> know why I said it like that, but uh, I don't know. Uncle Uncle Ollie, I, I believe in you, although I, I definitely could understand how people could come to the conclusion or how you guys came to the conclusion of it being a creepypasta. All right. We're- Wander with us into a world of magic. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with and reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. We'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. We're going to move on to our next story for this episode. It's called My TV Was Possessed. I swear to you that everything I'm about to tell you is real, at least to how I perceived it. But I'm a pragmatic person and generally want to debunk things. I'm asking for everyone's help who is a show or movie buff to please suggest if there's a show movie that exists similar to what I'm explaining so that I know what I experienced wasn't supernatural. I consider posting this in a what's that movie thread, but I'm hesitant thinking that it would get taken down. This occurred around 2008. My brothers and I were watching Scary Movie 4 up until late hours of the night on Comedy Central until I eventually fell asleep. I woke up to a show where a man was sprinting through what appeared to be some sort of concrete shelter. I couldn't see most of his surroundings because it was pitch black dark. All I could see was where his flashlight was shining. I remember the man screaming, oh my God, oh my God, oh my effing God. He eventually found himself in a four-way junction or maybe a larger room. It was It's hard to remember. I do remember shadows swiftly moving around the guy and eventually surrounding him. Then I heard something I will never forget, a loud, high-pitched cackle. It felt like my TV went from a normal volume to its maximum volume immediately. In my bed, I tried to move or leave the room, but was completely paralyzed. I looked around and saw shadows darting across the lower half of my walls by the TV in the corner of the room. Fortunately, I was able to pull the sheets over my head as the cackling continued. After what felt like eternity, I gained the courage to crawl out of the corner of my bed, hitting the ground. I then crawled to the door where I saw my dad with a Bible in his hand. I immediately regained my strength and was able to finally sprint out of the room into our kitchen. Crying, I told him that my older brother was pranking me, which made my dad very angry. However, as he went into the room to turn on the lights, I saw him pause. In my life, even now, 10 years later... I've never seen my dad frightened except in this moment. He just stopped. Out of curiosity, I peeked from behind my dad and saw that the TV had the show Family Matters on with a family hugging each other. It wasn't until years later that my dad told me his side of the story. He was reading the Bible on the middle of the night since he couldn't sleep. He heard a TV getting very loud, so he decided to come turn it off. When he entered the room, he actually saw two cops in a cop car. One of the cops had no skin, just raw muscle. That cop had a giant grin on his face, turning over to smile at my dad until he saw the Bible in his hand. The cop seemed to immediately become terrified, and then the channel changed. This is all I can remember from that moment, but it really bothers me that I cannot find the show or prove this wasn't some weird supernatural event. Okay, Joshua, this was certainly one of the more interesting stories we've heard on Real or Creepy. You've got parallels of sleep paralysis, TV possession, shadow people, religious figures as a Bible, and two people experiencing something similar. This is actually, I would love to have them on the podcast to interview them about this. It sounds pretty wild. 
what do you think about this one? This is something that I think is real. Um, not even so much from the details of the story, but just from the confirmation that this was an event that happened for two people. Um, even if it was different in nature, I think that the supernatural does present itself differently to two people, which is a, a big thing that I, I try to lean into. But also, this is the exact opposite of the other story, because it's almost so wild that I have no choice but to believe it. But it feels like everything is still connected at the same time. It feels like there is a, a through thread. So you can follow the story from point A to point B and still kind of see, okay, this is build, leading up to something. There's like almost a, I don't even say there's like even a build up, to be honest. It's more so leading up to figuring out like the full experience as opposed to an ending. Kind of like it started and then it just didn't stop. And then it just stopped when it felt like it, which in my opinion is very similar to how the paranormal is. Like you can't like put it on a timer. Like it's not like, a, oh, you know, I um, happened to look out the window and I happened to see a man staring at me and then I blinked and he was gone. Like, this is one of those, I was minding my own business. This decided to happen with this random thing. Then a bunch of stuff started happening because now I'm thinking about it and now I'm kind of scared. And then somebody else comes through and then they have an experience. Now they're kind of scared. Then nobody wants to talk about it. And then it's gone. And now it's just sitting on us for the rest of the... And the fact that they came back to it as well kind of makes me think that something happened that was real. Um... But more than anything, I feel like fathers don't really have a reason to lie to their children <laughs> as a father. Um, so if this were to happen, I would I, I would literally handle this the same exact way. I would not tell my daughter at all. I would just be like, oh, no, it's cool. And then I would wait till she's a little bit older and maybe even a little bit more receptive to something like this. And then we can actually have a full discussion about it just so that I don't, for one, instill fear, which I feel like would keep this uh experience going longer than it should especially like child like like child fears that's a different level of fear and then i'd wait till we were at a place where we could really talk about it so it it, it follows like similar like humanistic realistic things that take place the apparition with the human flesh i've heard of that before and so it's not common but i have heard of that specific entity before yeah uh, i was dead set on it being sleep paralysis until it got to the father's experience, you know, yeah. because in sleep paralysis, I mean, he talked about being paralyzed and you can see just about anything during sleep paralysis. You yeah. know, you're, you, you just don't have a lot of control over your surroundings, obviously. But when it flipped to him being able to run out and find his father and the details of what he, he and his father saw syncing up, that's, that's what really got me. If it is real, if it if it is creepy, it's well written and and yeah. kudos to them because it definitely scared me. Liz, what how did you feel about this one? Uh, I definitely think it's real. Um, it gave me all the heebie-jeebies. That was my tell. Um, I feel like I'm very in touch with my my gut, my intuition, and there were so many moments where my entire body was like shaking. Um, I felt it in my gut and I was like, uh oh, that's not a good sign. And then like I felt it over my entire body. Um, I felt that definitely during the dad when he was talking about his experience, but even just like the like oh, it was the scream, the like the shrieking scream. That's when I was like, Oh, hell no. Like absolutely not. I definitely I don't know. I just I believe every single piece of it. I do. It and I with everything you said, Joshua, from the start to finish, the way it all it just it was cohesive and it made sense. And even though it was ridiculous. If you look at it just for what it is, it felt very real. 
Well, everybody, we did it. That's another episode of Real or Creepy. Liz, where can our fans find all your amazing content? You can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts, The In-Between with Elizabeth Cheney, but on Instagram at Elizabeth Cheney underscore C-H-E-N-E-Y and the podcast at in.betweenpod. And then you can also follow me on TikTok, The In-Between Podcast. Awesome. And Joshua, where can our fans find all your amazing content? Uh, You can find me on the Real Hauntings podcast. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can find me everywhere at Joshua Darren. That's D-A-I-R-E-N. Um, I do a little work for Alabama.com's Alabama Vintage page. I do a little work for BuzzFeed Unsolved. Um, you can go on all my TikToks and my Instagrams and the, and the, the Twitters or X's or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm there and I'm, I'm ready to, to mingle. Not single and ready to mingle. <laughs> uh, all right, y'all. Well, that was so much fun. And thanks for listening to another episode of Real or Creepy. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.